Welcome back to Breaking Bullying. This week, we're going to talk with a guy who was frustrated with his children's education system. So I'm going to hit that music and get started. Joining me this week is Mr. James. Mr. James, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. So, Mr. James, uh, you run a uh, program called Include Education. How did that program start? Uh, well, it started because, uh, well, I, I, as, as you mentioned in the intro, I have, uh, I have three older boys, so they're adults now, but the experience that they had in school was not a positive one. And I looked back on my own experiences in school and realized it wasn't much different than theirs. And I had said for the longest time, it's not as hard as what they're making it seem. I will, it's, it can't be that hard. And so finally, uh, circumstances at the time, I was looking at a career change and, uh, it was time to put up or shut up time to get in there and either do something about it or stop saying I could. And so decided to do it, jumped in and originally with the intent to go into the traditional education classroom with the you know, school districts and so on and make the changes from within. But I quickly realized that that wasn't going to happen as I was, uh, I had a dual major in elementary education, a special education. And I realized it, maybe it was my age going in, having life experience, and then also having children already, some of them with special needs. I realized that they weren't teaching me anything new. And if they weren't teaching me something new, then they really weren't preparing the next generation of teachers. And I quickly realized that within that system, I wasn't going to be able to uh, make the impact I wanted to. In fact, my sister, who is a public school teacher and has been now for well over 20 years, she warned me right off up front. She said, you're going to hate it and you're not going to last. She said, they, she said if everything you think you're going to do, they're not going to let you do. And so as I was going to school, I stumbled upon kind of by accident a program with uh, where they were doing homeschool uh, programs. So you know, it was set up at a church and you know, a group had set up just a, you know, a few classes there that uh, where those kids were getting together, socializing, having a good time learning. And uh, once I got in there, I said, you know, hey, I want to teach. I want to I want to do something here. And so we started teaching a couple of classes within a few weeks. I was just like, I'm all in life savings, everything into this. And I developed, uh, you know, it's like, well, we're going to do a STEM program and uh, with the primary market being homeschoolers, but we do after school programs for public schools um, and stuff as well, camps and so on. But the vast majority of our students, uh, which, you know, just even this last semester, we, we were well over a thousand students were homeschoolers. So 95% of those are homeschool students and it's a whole different world. And, uh, of course, as time goes, has gone on, we've expanded our programs. So we offer all sorts of things, everything from video game design, robotics, hands-on science and engineering programs, 3d printing, cooking, sewing, life skills classes. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on. We have so many options available and all of these homeschoolers get to take advantage of it. That's awesome. Besides. Your kids not learning anything new from what you learned when you were younger. Was there any other issues that you didn't like how the public school system was was doing? 
Yes. Uh, mainly it was, a lot of it was uh, bullying. They were, uh, they faced bullying not only from their peers, but unfortunately I found out many times the worst bullies of all were some of the teachers. Really? And, and they kind of perpetuated that environment within the school system itself because the teachers were just as bad, if not worse in some cases, than, uh, than the other students. What were the teachers doing? Uh, little things like, uh, uh, for instance, you know, my, uh, my son would, uh, do his schoolwork and because he didn't learn the way they were teaching him in class, he comes home with his homework. Right. And you know, you got kids, you work with their homework and you don't know how the teacher taught it in the class. So it's, it's a math. So you're like, okay, well, I know how to do math. So you show him how to do the math, right? He knew how to do it, how to get the answer. But he even said, he said, that's not the way she said to do it in class. Well, I don't know the way she said to do it in class. So this is the way I can help you. So then when he, he's there the next day, she's going to use that in front of the class as an example and like how he did it wrong and like call him out on it in front of the class for it. And it was like, why would you do that? First off, like, why would you ever do that? And second, why would it be a bad thing the way he did it? You know, and so it led to a, a conference and we had the principal there. And I just asked, I said, what's wrong with him doing it this way? First off, and she said, well, that's not the way I taught him in class. I said, well, the first off, I got to correct you on some of your terminology that you may have shown him how to do it a certain way in class or demonstrated it. I said, but the word taught implies learned and he didn't. So you did it. So when I taught him how to do it, he did learn it. And that's the way he demonstrated to do it. So I said, first off, you should, you need to grade him on the way he actually was taught. And since you didn't do the teaching, this is the way it was. And I said, a second, you know, why would he be called out in front of the class when it wasn't that he did anything incorrect on it, which even if he had, why would you call him out in the middle exactly. of the class like that? So it was, it was uh, little things like that. Or my oldest son is on the spectrum and has, uh, which is often times uh, accompanies with that is, uh, you know, like a tick disorder, right? So stimming. And so he would have those, those random hand movements and stuff. He was, by even some of the teachers would ask him to leave the classroom because he was being distracting. And it's not so that he can control is like blinking. You know, we can't control whether we blink or not. And the harder we try to not blink, the more we end up blinking to catch up, you know? Yeah. So if you try to not to blink for a while, all of a sudden you're blink, 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 blink to catch up with it. And so it was, yeah, he'd be called out in front of the class over something he doesn't want to be noticed for anyway. And it was just little things like that. And uh, just the excuses that would come with it. Well, he's being distracting. So it was pointing out those things or, you know, uh, my other son with ADHD, you know, having a hard time focusing and being like, oh, you're not paying attention again. But well, yeah, you know, he has an IEP. <laughs> like, why, why would you put it like that in front of him? Like the little passive aggressive type uh, bullying things that they would do with the cheery voice to accompany it as yeah. if, putting sugar on it made it so it didn't sting as much, exactly. you know? And so it was that kind of thing. And 
it was that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, it, it turns kids off to education. Like, you know, cause they don't feel like they could trust the teacher and the, you know, the other students, they join in plus, you know, the other things other kids do and stuff. And so it was, uh, you know, luckily not a lot of physical bullying, um, although there was some of that as well, but uh, it was just a lot of a, a lot of that that bullying that would go on that was to me seemed to be start from the top down and, you know, trickle down bullying, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And and stuff. But even the physical stuff and the way the school handled it, I just was not not happy with. When you had a conversation with the teacher about why she had to let the whole class know, what was her response? Her response was just that uh, she was trying to demonstrate to the kids that they have to do it a certain way. And he hadn't done it the right way. And like there was in her mind, a justification for it. And I said, but that's like public shaming. Right. That's what I said. I said, you're calling him out as though he did something wrong. I said, if you had told him, like, I really want it this way and had a private conversation with him and then shown him how to do it, that might've been different, but to in front of the class and hold his paper up, like in a jovial, like I'm joking around manner, like, look, this is what we don't do type of thing. Isn't that right, Matt? Like, like what? Why would you do like to me? That was just, it was, it's, it's very demeaning and it's not putting the spotlight on someone in a positive way. And that should be the only time we put a student in the spotlight is when it's in it as a positive, like build them up. And, but the bigger issue than that was because anybody can make a mistake. But then when the principal's sitting there, like, I really don't see where there's an issue. I don't like, like, <laughs> are you, are you just saying that because you have to say that you guys don't want to, you know, uh, like admit that you may have done something wrong or do you really believe there was nothing wrong with that at all? And that's what got me. It was just like the not wanting to have any sort. It, it was, I mean, to me, either way, it's just as bad, whether if you don't see how that's wrong or it's just, well, we can't admit it. So we don't want to take any accountability for it. Either way, it's bad. And for a kid having a teacher pick on them, it's even worse. There's, there's, nowhere, there's no one else to turn to at this point now. You kind of lost all hope. Yeah, it's right. And, it, and it's. Well, and it puts just a negative, uh, negative feeling towards learning. So uh, unfortunately, uh, all three of my adult boys, not a single one of them, they never continued on after high school. They didn't continue on. They didn't want to go to school anymore. They, would, they didn't want anything to do with it. How many people are leaving the public school system due to bullying and joining your program? Uh, a lot. We have, uh, even if it wasn't their primary reason, it was one of the reasons, right? Because there's always going to be that one, the straw that broke the camel's back. And a lot of times they've been seeing their child struggle in, in a few different ways, whether it's they're falling further and further behind or why is my child being moved along? I don't feel like they're where they should be. But a lot of times that straw is a bullying situation. So there was some sort of a bullying situation and the school did not handle it appropriately, or at least not to the uh, parent's satisfaction. And so that's what will be that trigger moment that they're like, okay, we're pulling the trigger, we're pulling them out, and now we got to figure something out. And so we do get a lot of parents coming in that way. And they ask, and I can always tell because they that's one of the first thing they ask is they'll ask when they're asking about the program, is how do the kids treat each other? What's the environment? And 
even if they kind of skirt around using the word bullying, I finally get the, get it out of them. Yes, they're worried about bullying in, in our learning environment. And that's one of the things that's actually one of the things that I'm most proud of. And that I learned very early on when I had first started working with homeschoolers. And that is the bullying. It all, I, I don't want to say it doesn't exist, but it almost doesn't exist because it's such a different type of environment. And they're, the students themselves are already taking a little bit more responsibility for their own education just by, by default because you're homeschooling. And they take it a little bit more seriously that they're there to learn when they do go to places. And they're, they're happy to be going places where they can follow their interests. And so uh, the way we handle it, too, is very different. So I can and it's and we have our terms and conditions that everybody has to agree to when they sign up for a class. And with the way we handle it, for instance, the, even a, a student turns to another and says, oh, that's stupid. Because it was an idea that was shared. They're like, that was a stupid idea. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. First off, we're not going to talk to other people that way. We're going to value all ideas. And I said, I said, but we don't talk to people that way. I said, so you know that. That's not what, our, that's not what we're about. We're not going to do it that way. If you do it again, I'm going to have to call your mom. And you're going to have to explain to her why she has to pick you up right now. And that's the last thing they want to do is to have to call their mom and their mom has to pick them up because there's a good chance their mom is out waiting in the parking lot. Yeah, she's, she's somewhere close by and she will be in there and will be mortified that she has to pick, pick up her child for something like that. And they're going to hear it later. So they know they're going to get in trouble. Of course, for our end, now we do have to follow up with that. And so there are times where we have to follow up with it and actually call mom. And we tell them, look, we're not, you know, there's not always, are we going to get into the details during a class? Because it's not necessarily something for all the other students to hear and stuff, but we can get into a, you know, quick private conversation on the phone. This is what was said. We gave them a warning. They did it again. We do need you to come pick him up and we'll discuss it later. And then we follow up with them later. But for things where it, it goes beyond that, where it's like physical, we have zero, we have a true zero tolerance for that. If a child, I mean, it's the, I, I get different if it's like a, a four-year-old turning because they got frustrated and kicked their neighbor over a bucket of Legos or something. Okay, we're having a talk about why that's not appropriate and stuff. But if they're 10, 11, 12 years old and they go and they, they hit another kid because, they're, because they got angry over something, that's it. You got to go home and you can't come back. So in your environment, it's really hard for a bully to flourish because once you see them, act out inappropriately, inappropriately the first time, that's it. In your opinion, why do you think the public schools have a hard time dealing with the, dealing with the bullying? Uh, because of money. I think that's what it comes down to. And if they had a policy where they were to remove a student because of it, for one, they'd have to remove a lot of students and they would lose the money the funding that comes with those students. So that's one. And two, it would mean that they have to come up with an alternate place for them to go. And if you have an alternate place for them to go, well, now you're creating more choices, which is the opposite of what they really want. And 
honestly, the the real culprit in this is, and again, it's another unpopular view, is it's the unions. Uh, the teachers' union is probably the most powerful political organization on the planet. Right? They they influence elections and stuff because it's teachers. Right? The if, oh, the teachers say to do this, and everybody says, oh, well, if the teachers say I need to vote for this person, I'm going to go vote for this person. It's not the teachers; it's the union, and they. And because they have that grip on education, it makes them powerful. They don't want choice. Programs like mine, they don't want to exist. They don't like that the, these charter schools exist. Even though they're within the public school realm, the teachers are not union. So it's the enemy. Now, if they would to unionize all those union teachers, if all my teachers were unionized, oh, they'd have no problem with it whatsoever. But because they're not, they... Uh, are against it. So they have to uh, take out choices. So they don't want to create choices. And that's one of the, the big problems. And unfortunately, uh, the teachers unwittingly helped perpetuate the problem. Now, if you, talk to a, if you talk to a public school teacher and you ask them, what are their major issues? They may mention, they may mention their wages. They may mention that. But one of the main things they're going to talk about is dealing with unruly students in the classrooms because they can't control their own class. And they'll say they can't control a lot of the content that they're allowed to teach in the class. They can't teach the way they want and they can't, they can't just remove a student for uh, who's having poor behavior in the class. Right. So does the teacher unions control the student teacher ratio as well? Uh, yeah, to it. Well, they can. So they have fought for that. And that's where they did start lowering it. But that means this because and they did that specifically because the school district now has to hire more union teachers. But what they won't do is they don't want to remove it. If, with all the teachers complaining about those specific issues. When does the union when has these any of these teachers unions said, OK, we need to do something about these kids that are causing these that, that are, are the bullies and stuff. They don't. because. They don't want those students removed because if those students are removed and go someplace else, well, that means that's less union teachers that are in the union. So the union will represent the teachers in so far as it benefits the union. If it doesn't benefit the union, they're not going to represent the teachers on that. So they'll represent the teachers on pay and uh, they'll represent the teachers when it comes to teacher ratios because it benefits the union. But where it doesn't benefit the union, they won't do it. And they will constantly in political commercials and stuff, they'll make it seem as though they're concerned about the kids. The teachers union does, couldn't care less about the kids themselves. That's not who they are there for. So uh, if you know, we, that should go in one ear and out the other, as far as when we're cons considering if the union says it's, so it's about it's this and this for the kids. Well, Maybe it is, maybe it, maybe it is good for the kids, maybe it's not, but it has nothing to do with what they say it is because they, the kids are not their focus. It's on getting more union teachers in, so there's more money for the union. You think they would fight for more of that student-to-teacher ratio because I truly believe teachers do want to help combat bullying, but there's like 30, 40 kids in a class, let's say. It's almost impossible to see every little detail that's going on. Well, I think part of it is... I, well, I think part of it is that there, there's a bit of a, 
I mean, obviously it's a negotiation process. And while the teachers union, I think in, in many ways would like to have more teachers because again, that's more influence for the union. Right. Um, there's, there are budgetary constraints as well. Now I think they could, uh, a lot of what's, what's budgeted for schools needs to be done differently. You know, schools will receive money for that's earmarked for specific things and they can't use it for other things. And which just seems weird to me. So a lot of times they'll have this budgeting and they may be, uh, budgeting something for, for sports because it makes the school look better, which means they might get more money, uh, or they need to spend it or they lose it type of thing. And instead of spending it where it would be beneficial, they may be limited where they can apply those funds. So it might be that they have to use it towards the, uh, betterment of the school grounds, for instance. Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be super educated on, uh, in that area, but uh, I do think a, a lot of it too is there's only a certain amount of the budget that's allocated towards um, uh, towards uh, the teaching staff, right, for salaries and so on. And I think that too is where the the union is they they like they 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 are careful in that they they maintain a certain type of relationship with the administration. So they they'll push on some things. But if you notice, like the uh, the teacher wages, you know, the teachers always complain, oh, they don't make enough. Well, it's because there's only so much of a raise they can give them versus how many teachers can be hired because that budget doesn't necessarily change. They have that certain amount of budget and how much they pay teachers, the, 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 the amount goes higher per teacher. Well, that means the number of teachers has to go down, too. So there is a bit of a balancing act in there. So I think the union is torn between keeping the number, the member numbers up versus the teacher salaries, but they can't let the salaries go down too low. So I think that's where they run into an issue is just with that, that budgeting. But I think that also goes to point to the mismanagement of funds for schools. Like you mentioned, you know, school, uh, brand new football field with turf and stuff like they, they don't need that, but do, does the music class have instruments, you know, and stuff, you know Get what I mean? It's own. like, yeah, by your own. Instrument. Right. Exactly. So it's like, why, where are we, where are we put the money? And so everybody says, well, we need more money for the schools. It's not a funding problem for our schools. It's a budgeting problem for our schools because again, we get people in there. It's just like any type of politics. You get people in there. Um, same thing with our government, you get people in there. Where do they spend the money? Well, they spend the money where it might be advantageous for them at some point too. And so the funding doesn't necessarily get placed where it should, which should be the primary beneficiary of any school funding should be the students. How will this most, what's the, where should this funding go that will have the maximum potential value for the students that are attending that school? And that's what's not happening because those kids don't very few kids will benefit from turf, uh, you know, even if that is a benefit, you know, very few will benefit from that. But how many would benefit from other things that could be provided? Uh, you know, here, you don't get free busing either. I don't know how it is there, but no, you have, no, you, had, you have to pay if you want busing. So 
imagine, you can only imagine drop off and pick up time at these schools as all the parents are all coming at once to try to drop off and all coming at once to pick up. It's a nightmare. And because none of these kids, could, no one can afford to take the busing. Well, why do we, how many people would benefit from free busing? But they don't because they're putting the money to other, other things. So it's not a funding issue. The schools get plenty of money. Like they get tons of money. And the amount of funding that they get on a per student basis, I look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, if they gave that to me, the things I could do for these kids. But that's not the way, that's not their outlook when they're looking at it. And so it's it, it, a lot of people serving their own self-interests first yeah. before the kids. And I think that's, and it's, it is, and then it's just a game. Like I said, you know, they can, they can hire more teachers, but there's only a certain amount of budget for it. So then the teachers can't make as much. And they can only get the teachers to go down so far before the teachers are unhappy. So they do have to play a balancing act. But ultimately, yes, it would benefit to have a smaller uh, student to teacher ratio uh, because they can keep a better eye on things. They can, um, you know, have better interaction with the students. Well, they can get that stuff. connection in time. They can get that one on one connection that yes. you can get with your kids. You know, I think I exactly. found the name of this. I think I found the name of this podcast. Bullying issues are not in our budget. And that pretty much is what it com comes down to, you know, because they say they can't do anything, but they can. They just don't yeah. want to. Yeah. And a lot of it, too, is just uh, political. You know, do you want to now oh, do I want to upset people and stuff like that? Come on, you have to have a backbone. Like I knew telling us telling a family their student can't come back again. They're going to be upset. They're going to be upset at me. But it is what it is. And I. I put a policy in place. I got to enforce the policy or it means nothing. You got to have the backbone to face that. Then you have to then face them and say, this is the policy. This is what we're going to do. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Uh, they, they don't want to have to tell them, sorry, your kid can't come back. What's, and, what's annoying is I would love to ask like the teachers union or somebody who has this control, like what is a kid's life worth to you? It worth for one or two kids to commit suicide due to bullying. Is that okay? Because we got to put this money elsewhere. I really would like to know that answer. And that well, and that's like the thing. they don't care. It, it, it does seem that way. And I think on a, on a, on a personal level, they do. Uh, but once they're, oh, I, I, yes, I believe that on a personal level, like yeah. teachers, I'm all for them. I feel like they're just overworked and they're doing their best. Right. I get that. Right. But even then it's at a certain point, they get to the, they, they do get there where, I mean, I've heard, yeah, I actually saw it. I actually just saw it like voiced out recently on a, on a Facebook post just recently. And it says, uh, the best thing a teacher can do to get, to be able to survive being a teacher is to stop caring. So you have to remove your emotions from it and look at it as just a job. You're going there. It's just a job. You're there to get your money, do what they tell you to do and get out. And you can't, you have to stop caring about the students yeah. as individuals. That doesn't, that doesn't work. doesn't work for me. Right. It doesn't work for me either. And, and I think that's what my sister was trying to tell me is that it, it wasn't going to work for me, for me, because she knew how I would be about it. And I, and I get where, where they're coming from on it, because if they can't do anything about it and they care, they're just going to drive themselves crazy. So they have to detach. And what a sad system that is, that a teacher has to detach 
just to be able to do their job. And you shouldn't have to. I, I care about my students and, you know, every single one of them. And, you know, and, and they can, they, they, they feel that, like they feel that connection. People don't go to school to become teachers, to become rich. They already know that going to college, they're not going to become rich. They go into it because they love kids. Well, right. Well, and you, you made a good point. When they go in, it's no mystery what teachers make. You know, anybody can look it up with a quick Google search and see what average teacher salary is in any given area. Yet they go into it uh, because the majority of them get into it because, well, they want to make a difference. They want to feel good about what they're doing. And it's not about the money. But as you look at time goes on, how many times do you see where teachers are posting? Yeah, I don't make enough money. I don't, it, 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 all of a sudden it becomes about the money. It's because it's turned into a job rather than a passion for them. Mr. James, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they do that? Uh, best bet is go to, uh, go to our website. So uh, includeeducation.com. It's the words include and education put together to form one word with only one E in the middle, includeeducation.com. And uh, you can contact us through there. Uh, look at the different types of programs that we offer. And uh, always hit me up on social media too. Uh, you find me on Facebook as first name, Mr. James, last name, does it all. Uh, uh, and uh, I post a lot of stuff on the uh, YouTube channel as well. Again, that's Mr. James does it all. So, so we can find it, uh, find some material there as well. Mr. James, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Uh, it, was a, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And for myself, you can always find us at our very own website, which is www.breakingbullying.com. You can also reach out to us at our email address. If you have a story of your own bullying to share, or for whatever reason you want to get a hold of us, our email address is breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. Now, if you're a victim of bullying and you don't know where to turn, there is online resources to help you. The first is the government's very own anti-bullying website, and the address is www.stopbullying.gov. And other online resource is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. Now, if you have had thoughts of suicide or of self-harm, we implore you to stop reach out to the National Suicide Hotline. That number is very simple. It's 988. I'm Tim Flynn, and thank you for listening. And we will be back next week to continue the conversation to break the silence on bullying.